Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the What Next podcast. A couple of episodes ago, I was actually talking about self-development and um, how you can reinvent yourself, remarket yourself, how you can create your own personal brand. And I did promise that I would bring two amazing um, content creators um, to one of my episodes. And today I will be talking to Ife and Digi, who both have similar but different stories as well. And um, I think it'll be great for us to all learn from their experiences and just generally listen to what they have to say. Ife, Digi, thank you so much for joining today's episode of uh, the What Next podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So Digi, at the moment, what exactly do you do? So for earning, I'm a communication and marketing specialist. Um, so for me, I, the way I like to describe it is I'm, I'm a storyteller, you know, I, and I'm very keen on creating narratives, just consistent, cohesive storytelling. I think that's what most of my life has kind of just brought me to um, at this moment. Um, and once upon a time, I used to think that I wanted to be a lawyer and I actually did go through some of the processes, but I flunked very badly, which kind of just just pointed me back in this direction. So I'm, I'm a communications guy. You know, I like writing, I like speaking, I like presenting things. Um, I also like telling people stories for them. Okay, great stuff. So are you working at the moment? I am. Okay, and what what are you doing? Um, what I do you work with? Okay, um, I currently do PR for an event tech company. Okay. Yeah, I'm called InEvent. Shout out to InEvent. Um, and they, like the name implies, uh, uh, well, I guess the name that we, they, they brought, is the, how they describe in events that they bring intelligence into events. Um, and we have like this wide spectrum of events that we cover. So virtual events, hybrid events, in-person events, all sorts of things. And my role is just bringing visibility to all of our actions, bringing visibility to our C-level, um, just ensuring that people are informed and interested and engaged in the stuff that we're doing. Are they based here in Nigeria? No, they're not. They're not. So no. you work remotely? Yes. So for our listeners out there who are thinking, how do I get a gig like this? I'm sat here, but I want to work with other international firms, multinationals who are not necessarily based here. How do I go about doing this? Um. So for me, it was two things. One, it was LinkedIn. Um, okay. So I take my LinkedIn page very seriously, as I think anybody should who's trying to do work. Um, constantly updating it, talking about occasionally things that might be inane, but not inane, sorry, um, things that might be unimportant or like not particularly impactful, just for visibility's sake, for being out there. Um, and then also just engaging and letting people kind of know what you're doing, what you're about. So the reason I got this job was because um, a friend had seen my LinkedIn page and seen my experience. I was like, oh, we have this opportunity. Would you be interested in applying, you know? And I think that should just kind of stretch across everybody's job search. Cause LinkedIn has, and LinkedIn is my personal thing. There's so many, there's Indeed, there's a billion and one opportunities. But LinkedIn for me is really impactful because it gives you filters that can actually, you know, get you these remote jobs. And I typically search for EMEA, even though for lots of these companies, the A is kind of silent. They, they tend to ignore Africa. Um, but I'll say community building for one is definitely a big one because LinkedIn has groups, you know, there are all sorts of people you can ask questions. Also being unafraid to reach out to the person that has the job you want, just cold email them, cold message them and say, this is what I'm about and seeing where it goes from there. But it requires a lot of tenacity, I would say, you know, people tend to 
just kind of give up after a while. But the, these jobs are so in demand that you can't ever really feel like, you know, it's just going to be a straightforward process. It's not going to be, unless you're very, very lucky. Okay. Ife, over to you. I mean, thank you as well for joining us today. And um, I mean, your story is quite unique because um, you're a student at the moment, so you're studying full-time, correct? Yes, I am. And um, last year, early last year, I think it was, um, Lasso went on strike and... Yeah a lot of students were out uh, of school and there was nothing to be done. So why don't you tell us your story, how you got into content? Um, okay, so I was at home for like eight, nine months from February to, we resumed in October. So I was at home, I was not doing anything. I have a business, but the business was on hold because there were a lot of things I needed to sort out. So I was at home, I wasn't doing anything. And then one day I was, I'm on TikTok a lot. I'm always on TikTok. So as I was scrolling on TikTok, um, videos about UGC creating that user-generated content was coming up on my page. A lot of people are saying, or you can work with brands without being an influencer. You can work with brands if you don't have like a lot of followers. And I was like, okay, this sounds exciting. Is this actually real? Can I actually do this? And I went to do my research. So UGC has been around for a very long time, but now creators are now like offering it to brands because it's not easy to get people to post about your products. Like they can buy it from you and just disappear. They will not necessarily give you reviews and you need those reviews to build your brand. So that's where we come in. We help you to create the content and do reviews and testimonials and all of that. So um, I was at home and then I did my research and I just got into it basically. I was pitching to brands. You have to pitch to brands. It's called um, outbound or you can also get inbound. That's a brand reaching out to you but I did most of outbound. I was pitching to brands like every day. I got rejected. Um, some did not even answer me at all. But along the line, brands said that, because most of them in Nigeria don't really know what UGC is. You have to explain it to them um, detail. You have to like explain it to them. And yes, uh, along the line, I just... So how were you reaching out to the brands? Like, where um, were you getting these brands from? Instagram. I was searching for brands. Let's say I want to work with um, a cloak brand. I go on Instagram and I search for cloak brands in Nigeria or fashion brands in Nigeria. And then I search through the ones that I like their products because you have to like what you want to tell other people about. I work with brands that I would patronize on a normal day. So um, as I search for them, I check if they have like an email or I just DM them and be like, oh, um, can I get through to your social media marketing um, person if I can get their, their email and then I pitch to them. I have a template for everything that I say. And then most of the time they get back to me. Most of the time they're like, oh, we're not looking for creators right now, but we will get back to you, which they don't. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's just how I have been doing it over and over again, just to get brands. And last year, November, yes, last year, November, I have a Twitter page too, because the UGC community on Twitter is very big. That's where right. everybody is, you know, everybody is giving um, their opinions. Everybody is helping every other person. You know, brands come on there and they drop um, job offers and everything. So I was on my Twitter and then this, agency reached out to me, Juice Media, and they're like, oh, would you um, like to create content for us for a thousand 
$500 for 20 videos. And I was shocked because I was like, is this real? Am I actually, are you, are you real? And then I went to search for them. I went on LinkedIn to search for the brand owner and he was an actual person. And then I replied and they were, and I was like, oh, I am in Nigeria because most of the time they don't really like to work with, like international brands don't really like to work with Nigerian creators because it's easier to send products from America to America, but sending it over here is a lot of stress. And they were like, yes, we're looking for a creator in Nigeria. And I was so shocked. And we went on a call by like 12 a.m. because of the time difference. And then we were just talking and it was like, it's for a food delivery brand. I asked him what brand it is. He said, he can't tell me yet that they're still discussing that later on, he will reach out to me to know if the deal is finalized. And one day I was in class and I just got this email like, oh, the deal has been closed. You are going to be working with us. And I was so shocked. Like, I didn't really do anything. I was just posting on Twitter. I was posting on my TikTok and I got this job. And, and since then, the business has just business, like yes, moved on. So now you get a lot more brands reaching out to you. Yes, I do less of outbounds. Like I've not pitched to a brand in a while. Brands have been reaching out to me. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Digi, how did it work for you in terms of your content creation? Because I know yours is a bit different. You are creating content more for yourself yeah. as against for, yeah. for, for other brands. Um, so I think for me, how it took off, outside of even reaching out to anybody specifically, it was just putting myself out there to start with, you know? So getting the idea and then developing it with my friends. So I have friends who are very good with content creation. They put me in front of the camera, fed me with questions, and then we just kept answering. And then people reached out to me. It was insane. And I know part of the reason that that happened was because I guess my community really carried the video in their head. Um, the first video that I ever put out on Instagram and I put on Twitter as well, ended up getting over 20 something thousand views. Wow. And I didn't do any aggressive marketing. I didn't pay for anything. I don't even really have a big following like that, but for some reason, it was something that resonated with people. Um, they found it very inspiring and people just kept reaching out. So my DMs just kept getting loaded with people wanting to work with me, people wanting me to um, tell their stories for them, people wanting to also, so I should mention that what I do, what what the current um, series that I do of content um, is something called Get Deji the VO Bag. So I always wanted to use my voice for something. I just didn't know how to break into the market, right? So I'll say the initial video, outside of even just telling my story, it was kind of an ad as right. well. So people would listen to me speak and then be able to judge whether this was something that they wanted to utilize in their marketing or their branding or whatever. And they did, they did. It was very surprising to me, but every other day I would wake up with a new person in my DM or somebody reaching out through someone who had posted the video saying, oh yeah, bring this guy and we want to do voiceover work with him or bring this guy and we want him to do some other incredible thing that I would have never imagined in the first place. So I would really say um, the biggest key to it, outside of even just being visible in the first place, so taking that first step, was community. My, my community really carried me. That's, that's, that's fantastic. So listening to you guys, it sounds like a lot of it has to do with your tenacity, your passion, and your interest in creating content in the first place. And then there's some elements of luck, serendipity, if you want to call it that, just having your content being seen by the right people at the right time. Um, and, you know, really 
how easy do you think it was for you guys to get to where you are today? Because I, I think when I read a lot of the messages coming through in the DM, it sounds like there are a lot of young people out there trying to get into this content space and others who are just trying to open, you know, e-markets. And they're just concerned because they've been at it for quite some time and they're not getting the traction. So is it Make, make sure you have the right community, make sure you have the right visibility. Maybe they're not posting in the right places, they're not using the right media, or is it just maybe you need to review your content because they, you talked about the fact that it resonated with people. Yeah. Your content resonated and that's one of the things that you think helped your business yeah. fly. So for, for these sort of individuals who are trying to reinvent themselves, brand themselves, um, improve their personal branding, what would be your advice, Deji? There are a couple keys for me, and I've thought about this for a while, about what I would advise people to do in this scenario. The first one is going it blind. Mm. Just going it blind, like not knowing, taking a step in the dark, not knowing if there's something to catch your, to right. catch your foot, to catch your foot when, you're, um, when you put it down. So that's one for me, just going it blind, because I think creatives have too much shame. Really? I think, yeah, creatives have too much shame. They're too... They're too married to the idea of numbers or results or like expectations. Whereas like something I'm coming to realize is that a lot of the time content isn't even really about the results. Sometimes it's just about the look. It's just about proof of concept. Right. Just people seeing that you're capable of creating that sorts of thing. Even if it gets 50 views, you have no idea who's within those 50 views. Um, I remember watching this video where some creator was talking about how um, he had this program that he was putting out concurrently, I mean, repeatedly, and he was averaging 12, 10, 11 views on each video. And he did some work, he did some consultancy work for a client who he didn't know used to work, worked for Oprah Winfrey's magazine. So for some reason, the client is on, um, on a plane with Oprah, I guess they're just discussing or whatever, a private plane with Oprah. And she tells the clients that she's looking for a fresh face to be the to be the face of something that she's building, a piece of content. And the client thinks, oh, I know this guy that I did some work with. I suggest him to Oprah, gives Oprah his YouTube page. And just they're going about her life. Oprah finds some free time, you know, in her busy schedule to look through the guy's content. And he's still putting it out there consistently. It's quality content and still getting his 12, 13 views. But one of the views is Oprah. Right. And Oprah, because she likes it so much, is like, you know, I'm going to reach out to this guy. And all of a sudden he's making more money than he's ever made in his life. So I think... For one, let go of the fear of like, just do it, do it. And, Stop and being obsessed with, I need to have a million views from yeah. day one. You, you'll figure you just it need out. one right view. Absolutely. You'll figure it out and, you know, let the steps reveal themselves. So for me, I didn't, I had no idea where this journey was going to take me. Right. But now because I've seen these first couple results and first couple steps, the, the idea has become more crystallized in my mind. It's become stronger as opposed to when I first started. So I, I can't really say that there's a hard and fast way to get like success but i do know that not putting out your content is the surest way to not get that success and know? i guess just start just start, start with anything it yes. doesn't matter because i i see a lot of youtubers the successful ones and when i go back to the very first videos it's like night and day it's you know maybe the quality of the first couple of videos was quite poor the it, it just looked like it was done at home from yeah. just a basic cam but that video is what propelled them to where they are today so it's let go of the fears you said right focus more on your content and when i listen to you and ife what really strikes me is neither of you 
actually started this based on I want to earn from it. You both started doing it because you were passionate about it. Yeah. It's what yeah. you loved to do. And you just kind of did what came natural yeah. to you guys. And I think for me, that's one of the things that I, I would like, you know, listeners out there um, to keep at the back of your mind. The money will come, but start with your passion first. And, and, and if you're doing it because it's something you love and you're passionate about it, you will be good at it. If you're doing it because of the money, you're gonna make loads of mistakes because you're going to be trying very, very hard to target where you think you're going to get the right consumers from. If I, what would be your advice? Thanks, DG, for that. Okay, um, so like what DG said, um, don't think about the views. Like when I started, I was not getting a lot of views on my TikTok page, but then I was still putting out the content because if you don't start, you're just going to be at home. You're, go you're going to be scared. You'll be like, oh, what if people don't like this? Oh, what if I don't get any views? Like that should not be your problem, honestly. You are supposed to do it because you want to do it and because you like it and you have the passion for it. So just keep on doing what you do, honestly. That's the best thing. So I haven't started off this way. And, you know, if you're in school at the moment, and obviously um, the, a lot of people go to university, coming out of university, they do their NYC, and then they start looking for jobs. Do you think that's the path for you? Are you planning on taking that same path? Because now it seems that your generation actually no longer wants to be stuck in nine to fives. So I'm just wondering, having started off this way already, do you see yourself later down the line going into a nine-to-five? Well, not really, because um, the idea of having to wake up every morning and get ready. I had a nine-to-five in 2021, and it was very draining. I was extremely tired all the time. There was traffic, and everything was just very stressful. So a nine-to-five doesn't look exciting to me, but I feel like I will still do it because of the course I'm studying. I'm doing accounting, and I will not want my degree to go to waste because it's very stressful to study accounting in school. So I would actually want to work, but I don't think I would do it for a very long time. I might still do my content creating out, like, beside it, but I'm not sure really. I would just like to see how that turns out. Lisa. You know, we were speaking earlier, and did you, you referred to nine-to-five as the hustle. Yeah. And what you were doing, yeah. your content as your true work. And I think, you know, I think that's the first time I've ever heard anyone <laughs> refer to the nine to five as the hustle. Because for most of us, our nine to five is our bread and butter. Yeah. And then everything else on the side is our hustle. So yeah. for you, why, why, why are you seeing the nine to five as a... Um, because I think the, the nine to five is in service of a bigger dream. So right. it's, it's a cog in this big machine that I'm trying to build as far as like it's providing me with finance that I require to like, okay, maybe buy camera equipment or like you go get logos or things like that design. The, the content arm isn't bringing in enough just yet to be self-sustainable, right? So it needs that, um, I'll say support or like that structure underneath it. And that's actually something I was gonna mention. I think a lot of creatives shouldn't shy away from getting jobs, especially in Nigeria, you know, um, the creative industry in Nigeria is very, even though it's expansive, it's still very in its infancy. So you find that like, I mean, I've spoken to a couple of the YouTubers who are doing well in Nigeria, right? And they feel like they're the ones who are building the structure right. for, for like reckoning with brands and, you know, being taken seriously. And some of these guys are like 22, 23 years old, you know, building an industry by themselves. So um, I'll say the reason that the nine to five is the hustle is because ultimately, 
I have a goal in mind, but it's impossible to get to that goal without actually having money. And even just for my mental state, it would be really difficult for me as a person to be a person that doesn't have at least a somewhat stable means of income right now. And it's very unfortunate that I would say that I tie some of my self-esteem to that, but it's just what it is. Like the age that I'm at, you know, it's it's it doesn't really sit well with me to have to ask to do basic stuff. Like if I right. want to go on a date, for example, what am I going to ask? Am I going to ask my parents for money to finance <laughs> that? No, you know, so I need to be able to have that means to like just also prop me up as well. And I think that's valid, obviously. And that's something that most people trying to get into some sort of self-employment or start their own hustle should always have at the back of your mind. I mean, when I speak to a lot of um, people that come to me for mentorship on how to build their own businesses, I I believe do not shy away from getting a job that's going to give you that regular stream of income, right? Because as you said, it actually does give you also the flexibility to be able to go in almost any direction you want with your side hustle, right? Because you don't have to worry about paying the bills, where you're going to get your next meal from. So it gives you that opportunity to be able to also select the sort of brands you want to work with because you're not in a hurry because there's money coming in from somewhere. And I think if when you and I were speaking earlier, I asked your question, have you ever turned a brand down because it just didn't, you know, either in terms of how much they wanted to offer you or the brand didn't sit well with you? And your answer was? Yes, yes, I have. I've turned out like three brands. I turned out one because the pay was not good enough and another one because I don't use that product and I'm not in support of what they do. It was um, um, an aphrodisiac brand. They mm-hmm. sell like um, love potions and things <laughs> like that. I'm like, I'm not going to do this contest for you because I'm not in support of what you do. And the other brand, I did not like how they were talking to me. So mm-hmm. that was a red flag. And if I had gone into the business with them, I'm sure there would have been a lot of problems along the line. So I was like, no, I'm not going to take this job. And I think that the reason you had that opportunity to be able to actually be selective about who you work with is also because to some extent you're comfortable. You may not be where you want to be financially. I mean, I don't know. But you're comfortable enough to be able to say, I don't necessarily have to work with every brand that comes in my my way. And you, you're you also able to start to create for yourself the direction you want to go. So I think it just, for me, for anyone looking to start a side hustle or in Deji's, you know, <laughs> definition, who wants to start their main business, get a side hustle that does give you a regular stream of income, which would be like a nine to five, or you could do it the way they just done it. So they, you do have a sort of nine to five, yes. which is the PR yeah. um, work you're doing. However, you're self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you have that flexibility again of saying, listen, I negotiated my own contract term with this firm. There is a regular stream of income coming in, but I'm not a permanent staff of theirs, which means that to some extent, I still get flexibility in terms of my hours um, and I'm able to chase my main hustle whilst, you know, I continue to, you know, work with this company and get a regular stream of income coming through, which I think is absolutely fantastic and would be the right way to go. Unless, of course, you are um, someone who comes from a really wealthy background and, um, you know, you already have some some sort of, um, you know, wallet of money sitting somewhere. And so you don't have to really worry about your day to day. But I think we'll all agree that most of us are not in that you know, in that category. So honestly, I think even if you did come from a super wealthy background, 
just for, for structure's sake, I would still advise a lot of creatives to, to be in a space that requires them to, you know, get up early and have deliverables because I know for this is first-hand information that creatives are very scatterbrained. <laughs> no, we just are. We just are. It's, just, it's one of those things. And, and I think also one of the... Because I, I used to work in the music industry before my current job. And one of the reasons I left was because in the music industry, part of the reason that lots of them are there is because they enjoy it. It's really enjoyable work. It's stressful work at times as well because breaking artists is very difficult. But at the same time, everybody likes music. So there's a part of you that's really enjoying being there. But the difficulty with that is like, if you're in a place that you enjoy, sometimes it kind of obscures your vision. Right. You know? So you don't, because you're, you're having fun, maybe you have friends who are like, oh, you're at all the events, you're having such a great time. You're not growing, but it seems like it's enjoyable. So it doesn't seem like that much of an issue. And with the music industry as well, you have, you kind of have to take control of your path and your growth. Sometimes people get lucky and they have a boss that's like, okay, there's a progression plan for you to grow in this company. But a lot of the time, say revolving door of talent. So like nobody really cares if you're disgruntled like that. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. If you leave tomorrow, if we put a posting out on LinkedIn, we're going to get a thousand applicants. And within those like thousand applicants, there'll be people who are competent enough to do your job. So I think even if you have the means, like it's very important to just kind of understand structure. And one of the best pieces of advice that I've received, and it was from Two Faces manager who came to speak to us while we're at Chocolate City, he said creatives should treat their job as seriously as pilots do. So mm. a pilot is a night. I don't know how pilots work. I've seen movies that probably point to the contrary, but a pilot is less likely to probably be drunk on the job. You know, right. he's, he's less likely to. Well, will the hope so? Will hope so? Will hope so? We feel like he would take a lot less liberties than a right. creative will. You know, yeah. like he he even owes him to like because of how the the, the um. The environment works. He owes it to the company and to himself to constantly keep updating his information. Like, he can't just say, because I did the assessment test a while ago, I'm still content. No, like, the company isn't even going to allow that, you know. But creatives, it kind of just tends to be, like, this free-flowing, fun thing. And I think the best creators take it as seriously as a pilot would, you know. So that's why my advice would be to people. No, and I completely agree with you. I think this applies whether you're creative or you are in any line of business. If you're going to start out on your own, the first thing I would ask you is, have you ever worked in the industry that you're trying to break into? Because the ability to actually, you could be naturally talented, right? You have the talent, you understand the industry in, in terms of what people are looking for. So you understand what content to put out there, the content people are attracted to, or if you are into sales, you know that this product is the right product and people want it. But if you don't understand the business side of it, right, you could run into trouble very, very quickly. Absolutely. If you don't understand how to manage finance, you could run into issues very quickly if you don't understand the accounting side. So it's always important, I say, you're starting a business, if you are more on the product side of things, get a partner or get at least some experience in the business side of it, right? So you understand how to make money from it because there are a lot of people out there. They have a lot of fantastic products, a lot of fantastic contents, people that pe uh, products that people want, but they are never successful in turning it into a business because they don't understand the business side of it. And even when they do come across people, they take advantage of them because they don't understand the business, right? So either find a partner, someone you trust, someone who has the same passions as you do, um, someone who has the same, who, who's going down the same path you want to go. So your directions, your ambitions for, for the business are aligned 
and then partner with that person so they can focus on the business whilst you focus on the creative side or go and get some understanding of it. So completely aligned, you know, even if you do have the funds. And today there are a lot of angel investors and, you know, looking at small businesses or creatives whom they can, you know, they can invest in. So you could get the cash, but if you don't understand the business side of it, then you could ultimately also lose out big time because you've got the right content, got the right products, but unfortunately you don't understand the business side. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you 100%. I just want to add one thing. Um, just listening to you speak. Um, I think it's also important that creatives recognize the value of an opportunity, even though a paycheck isn't attached to it. I think you'd be, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be unbelievably surprised about how much goodwill will do for you. My personal experience in life, I can tell you about countless opportunities I've received from doing free work for people where they got an opportunity and I was the first person on their mind the first person on their mind because I delivered, I didn't complain. They loved working with me. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to keep trying what we can. I, there's so many things that I benefited from in life that I actually feel guilty about because like I have no business getting this, but people have just decided, no, you, because of how you've carried yourself, because of how you've, how, even how you value yourself, even that, even though you're doing free work, you still take it extreme. <laughs> you still take it extremely seriously, you know? So I, that's something that I think a lot of people should look out for as well. The money is great, but sometimes the people that you will work for will change your life just because they like you. And I could not agree um, more because the last, um, I think the last podcast I did, the time, last time out, we actually touched on this. Too often young people in Nigeria, your generation actually, are too focused on how much are you going to pay me for, for this skill set? How much are you going to pay me for helping you out with this? And I keep emphasizing to them, guys, get the work experience. <laughs> like, add value before you ask for the money. What value are you bringing to the yeah. table? And the reality is the experience you're getting from doing that free work is already payment. Absolutely. So you need to look at it from that side of things as well. And like you said, it then builds goodwill, right? You've done something for me. One day I might be with Oprah, as you said earlier, <laughs> she's looking for a new face. And, uh, you know, I remember this young person who did this fantastic job for me. And I'm like, I have the right person for you. So goodwill definitely goes a long way. And guys, it's not so common, this side of the world, where people go and do work experience or do things for free for companies. But believe me, it works. It worked for me growing up. I did quite a bit of work experience where I wasn't paid for it. And I'm telling you, I learned the most from those sort of jobs because it gave me access to multiple things. It gave me access to working with people in marketing, gave me access to working with people in accounts, gave me access to working with people um, in customer service. So the reality is if you are willing to put yourself out there and you are willing to, to try and just get the experience first and trust the process, the money will come later. Absolutely. And I think for me, that's the biggest message for your generation because the internet, MTV base, all these amazing, you know, channels are showing you young people who are making money very, very quickly. And that isn't going to be the path for everyone. And what you see is the success. You don't see the journey that led to that moment. You don't see the struggle that maybe WizKid had in the beginning. And you don't know how many gigs he did for free before he even got to the position he yeah. is now where he's selling out millions at the O2 arena. So don't ever just look at someone's success and say, listen, I need to get there quickly because this person did. 
understand that there was a process and there was a journey to that individual getting there. And sometimes that process just means you've just got to do certain things and not worry so much about what you're getting in terms of payment immediately. The payment, trust me, will come if you're consistent and if you add value. And that's the the word value. You must add value, whether you're in paid employment or you're just working freelance. If you're not adding value to someone, they're not going to keep you. And they're not going to try to look for ways to help you to progress because people only want to be around people that can add value to them. So thank you both so much for joining me in today's session, uh, today's um, episode. And I'm so sure that a lot of people have learned just listening to the two of you. Fantastic experience. And I, I hope you guys will come back For just sure. so that we can, yeah. you know, we can talk more about what you've done For over sure. the next year. Thank For you guys sure. so much. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. And also, Ifeth, shout out to you, man. Like what you're doing in uni is insane. Like <laughs> I'm, I've been in creative for less than a year, but just even listening to you, you, you're doing a lot of stuff that I want to do. You know, the bravery to be able to reach out to like brands. I haven't been able to do that yet. So shout out to you. I've learned a Thank lot. Thank you. And she probably didn't even say this, but if it owns a brand of her own, she she started by creating lip glosses. And I I need to tell you, everyone I've given a sample of her gloss to has been like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. It's even better than some of the big name brands. And, you know, they're ordering it from her. So I, I think a lot of young people out there are doing fantastic things. Just put yourself out there and you never know where you're going to go from it. So thank you both very much. You both, you're both amazing. And um, I have a lot of confidence that both of you are going to do exceptionally well. <laughs> thank you. you. Know, thank you. I'm excited to see where you both go. Thank right? you. So thank you very much. Thank you to oh, all the listeners. I want to do a shout out to my brand. So the name of my brand is Africella. In case anyone wants to go and check on it, we are relaunching in March. So we're kind of changing things up a bit. Um, we're changing our aesthetics. We are upgrading the products too and our packaging and a whole lot of things. So in case anyone wants to check that out, <laughs> they can just reach out to us. Please go out and check it out. Um, you know, as Deji said, it's about having the right community as well. And if your community carries you on your head, then you just never know where you're going to get to. So yeah. what next community? Please go out, check out Ife's brand. And um, yeah, I will also just put your Instagram handle um, at the bottom as well so that people can go ahead and check it out from there. Deji, Thanks. yours as well. Sure. Um, and hopefully a lot of the What Next guys start to also follow you. Thank you both once again for joining today's podcast. Guys, thank you for listening to us. Go ahead and share this content um, with your communities. Uh, Let's, you know, all learn from one another. I'm sure most of you would would have learned quite a lot listening to both Ife and Deji. So let's go ahead and share this and leave your reviews as well. Leave your comments um, at the bottom. Thank you all for listening. Have a lovely day and um, I will talk to you at the next episode.